1: like a hero yeah, baby, 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 baby. He's looking so cute Sneaking round, round, round in a blue jumpsuit.
0: All right, for this episode, we'll be talking about Suicide. Suicide. On the line, I have Rob. What's up? Ben. Hello. John. Yeah. And Kyle. Hi there. Suicide is the debut studio album from the American rock band Suicide. It was released in 1977 on Red Star Records and was produced by Craig Leon and Marty Thou. Uh, I'm going to read from All Music Review Heather Ferris. Proof that punk was more about attitude than raw guitar-driven sound. Suicide's self-titled debut set the duo apart from the rest of the style's self-proclaimed outsiders. Over the course of seven songs, Marty Rev's dense, unnerving electronics, including a menacing synth bass, a drum machine that sounds like an idle motorcycle, and harshly hypnotic organs, and Alan Vega's ghostly Gene Vincent-esque vocals defined the group's sound and proved the blueprints of post-rock, synth-pop, and industrial rock in the process. Though those seven songs shared the same stripped-down sonic template, they also showed Suicide's surprisingly wide range. The exalterated, rebellious Ghost Rider and Rocket USA captured the punk era's thrilling nihilism, while "Shri" and Girl countered the rest of the album's hard edges with a sensuality that's at once eerie and alluring. And with its retro bass line and simplistic stylized lyrics, Johnny explores Suicide's affinity for 50s melodies and images, as well as their pop leanings. But none of this is adequate preparation for Frankie Teardrop, one of the duo's defining moments and one of the most harrowing songs ever recorded. A 10 minute descent into a soul crushing existence of a young factory worker, Rev's tense, repetitive rhythms, and Vega's deadpan delivery and horrifying almost inhuman screams make the song more literally and poetically political than the work of bands that wore their radical philosophies on their sleeves. All right. What do we think of suicide by suicide,
2: man?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I saw this band uh, in 2001 in
3: Cincinnati, um, at like a noise music festival. Uh, I had gone to see six fingers satellite and it was like a weird version of them. And, uh, I had just kind of gotten into this band. I had heard this record. Um, it's a pretty unforgettable record. When did you guys first hear this album?
1: Uh, this week. Yeah, same, uh, it turns out I had one. heard the song Cherie before, but uh, other than that, this is all first listened to me. Even Frankie Teardrop. I had never listened to Frankie Teardrop before. What was it was. Uh, oh. Is it uh, you always hear it on the radio? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> no, what They display on the
2: uh, adult contemporary
0: yeah. stations.
2: It, it's been covered by a, a number of bands, though. Um, I, I guess you don't listen to Sun very often, do you? Not very often. <laughs> not, not, not really. Blessing that Sun. Uh, Jackson tried to trick me into suicide uh, <laughs> back in back back in the the party shed days, and it it, it has yet to. Take, <laughs> I, I I don't I don't get it. <laughs> I'm wow. into it.
3: I'm really into it. Does this not remind you of uh, Mr. Quintron with the with the drum buddy?
2: No, not at all. This this I would much rather to listen to Quintron than
3: Suicide. Huh? You see, these, this has to be an influence on him, right?
2: What? Because an organ and a drum machine exists simultaneously? I had yes. I had one of these things at my house, and uh, drum the was built Broadway. right into the organ. I know that this is not, this is not mind bending. Wow. Birch
4: it, really likes it. I, I want to hear why Birch really likes it. Cause I'm sort of in the middle on this.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I got into suicide when I was getting into more electronic stuff. I don't know when that would have been nineties, late nineties. And they popped up because everyone was like, Oh, you got to check out this band. Actually it probably was later than that. No, it's probably like 2000. And a, a lot of people in the two early aught, as we like to say, uh, were, were replicating this sort of noise-esque uh, experimental noise with uh, repetitive drum machines and things like that. It, it kind of, it harkened back to everything that ministry was doing, Nine Inch Nails. I mean, this is sort of a start of industrial uh, weirdness i will say it's complicated because i i'm of two minds yeah they're not they're pretty limited in what they are accomplishing musically but in f- in terms of the weirdness and the performance of it um obviously performance is different than just listening to an album this album doesn't necessarily capture what all they were they were going for what they were doing and just based on the album it's it's I can see it being kind of like, well, what's the big deal? Uh, other than maybe some of the lyrics and some of the, I don't know, just kind of out there sounds that they're producing. It's it's kind of bold. It's weird. It's like a, what would you say? Like a, a very strange, arty craft work mixed with punk. It's difficult.
4: That, like what you were saying, Birch, the way that it sort of has elements of, of, of craft work, like I think that, that motoric beat, that 4-4 four, four beat, but i mean and i guess there are only so many uh, styles of beat you can have on the uh, the the drum machine that they used ben is that right like, uh, there so, are eight you yeah. have
1: eight beats and and, and you all can of those control the volume
4: and the tempo and all of those might be in 4/4 four, four, no
1: so. i don't think so because there's there's waltz on here you know there's probably a, a samba
4: cha cha yeah, well, they're definitely using them in that in that motoric style, which I think, even though it's not a live drummer, like it adds that incessant like pounding in the background, which kind of does drive the song, especially you know Ghost Rider or Rocket USA. I don't know, man. It's at, at its best, you get sort of a feel like like some of those you know Ministry or Radiohead, but when it's off, man, it's. <laughs> I think it would be important to see them maybe in a dark, stinky punk club, you know, like that would probably add to the feel. But like trying to listen to all of Frankie Teardrop, uh, there's there's actually I I don't remember his name, but there was a radio uh, DJ who would do the Frankie Teardrop challenge where he would encourage his listeners to go to increasingly more frightening areas and try to listen to all of Frankie Teardrop in headphones at full volume and see how far they can get. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's a disturbing song, man. I mean, and I guess that's the point. But it's it's interesting to have that be like side two, track one, right? Like the banger.
3: <laughs> so, you guys uh, who are new to this record, did you did you recognize the Ghostwriter song from anywhere?
2: Yeah, man. I, I wrote down right next to it. I prefer the Rollins version <laughs> from the Crow from the soundtrack.
1: Crow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't dislike this record. Uh, I think that. I find it really intriguing um i i really like that they're they're using that that already at 77 antiquated uh antiquated drum machine and then just a beat up farfisa going through some distortion pedals i i like how how analog the the, like the the proto synth punk band is I like his Gene Vincent style vocals. Actually, uh, you mentioned that in uh, your uh, intro, Birch. I had that written down as well. Just that blending of like early American rock and roll with this just mechanical alien droning background music. I think it's really interesting. And I can definitely see how many people that listen to this and, and started bands in like the 80s and 90s. At this point, I've heard it like four or five times. And I don't know how often I'll go back to revisit it, but I I don't mind listening to it at all. And I, and I do find it really intriguing. Uh, I, I would probably skip Frankie teardrop if I was listening to it, not for this project. I don't think I need to hear Frankie teardrop again.
4: Hmm. As weird as it is the there, even here you're hearing like elements of dub. Like it's interesting how much dub got translated across the like musical soundscape that happened after it, you know, like all these people touched sort of the same circle as, as scratch Perry. And so on this album, they're using the same eventide delay that they used on um, some of the albums that we've heard earlier. So it's, it's all sort of coming together still, even on this album, which is really, really strange and unique.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You bring up a really good point too, that a lot of those bands, um, in the '90s, in 2000s, they were met, they were altering voices and putting th- putting a, a instru- live instruments through processes and then tweaking those while they were on stage. Obviously, you know Eno was doing that stuff back in the Roxy music, but at the same time, you have these minimal bands, uh, someone solo or a duo or something like that with a drum machine. And it's, it's tweaking elements while you're getting uh, feedback of your voice, feedback of different elements of guitar and things like that. It's really unique that hasn't been explored, um, you know, without in this way, in a sort of chaotic way.
1: Oh, baby. Oh, baby.
4: My oh, I love you. Hey, Birch, do you know which band was the first to ever call themselves a punk band?
0: I think it was Suicide. It can... was
4: Suicide. <laughs> yeah, in like
0: 70 or show.
1: 71. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, first... first Park first, Music Mass. <laughs> yep. To use the context, suicide was inspired by Satan suicide, an issue of Vega's favorite comic book. Guess it. Uh, Ghost, Rider. it Ghost Rider. Ghost yes. Rider. Ghost <laughs>
4: Rider. Uh, Write
0: what you know.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did think it was funny that, uh, that Vega would said like, I started carrying a bicycle chain on stage, figuring if you can't beat him, join him. If the violence got really bad, he would smash a beer bottle, cutting his own face. It seemed to have a calming effect on the crowd. I guess he says, I guess they they reasoned that I was so fucking nuts that that nothing they could do would bother me. Uh, And he also said he figured out a way that he could draw a lot of blood, but wouldn't be scarred for life. It had to be down to a fine art, he says. Yeah, Probably that's learned the, that from pro wrestlers. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
4: That's the pro wrestler <laughs> and uh, Gigi Allen's school of stage presence. <laughs> yeah,
1: I had, I had read that they had a, a, like a crazy live show, but I I was having trouble finding details on it. So he like cut himself and stuff.
0: Yeah, basically, as you can imagine, they came out on stage and they're two guys and they're doing this, and it's it's improv and it's it's a little weird. I mean. Even by Velvet Underground standards, and then people would get so upset. You know, they were there; they were touring with um, Elvis Costello and other bands like The Clash, and they didn't want to see this stripped down. You know, the guys singing like Gene Vincent over <laughs> over sort of rhythmic organ, and so they would just it, they would just cause a riot because he would get in the face of everybody. He would he would intimidate. He would. He would do the, uh, the Iggy Pop thing, jumping into the crowd and like getting them riled up until either the police would shut it down or people would start fights.
4: Yeah, they were banned from CBGBs.
0: <laughs> yeah. Seems like that'd be tough to yeah. do. He he would say too. I mean, somebody threw an axe at his head. Um, Wait, in who, brought, who brings
1: an axe to a yeah. show?
0: Glasgow. Like,
1: was there a fire? Oh, uh, Glasgow? Glasgow, Glasgow. <laughs> uh, just, that's all you
4: gotta
0: say. That's it's all you gotta say. Glasgow. <laughs> uh, he said in Mets, someone hit scored a direct hit with a monkey wrench, and he still has a scar on his head.
4: Jeez.
0: <laughs> uh, he said though. I mean, when he was taunting them and doing all this stuff, he said. Every single night he would get up there and it felt like a war, you know, and he thought every night I could die tonight. And the longer it went on, he said the odds are not going to or the odds are going to be that it's going to happen tonight. He was seriously paranoid, like paranoid, but at the same time, outrageous and (laughs) violent. It's crazy. What a weird dude.
3: Yeah, they were they were pretty peaceful when I saw them in 2001.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he said in a recent interview that it's he's like, well, yeah, we kind of like toned it down because no one's going to be shocked anymore if we come up there. We're so well known. I think his quote was someone could drag out a dead body and start eating it and no one would bat an eyelash.
1: Man. That's impressive.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Did you guys see what Pitchfork uh, Pitchfork wrote about uh,
2: Pitchfork
1: Pitchfork
3: <laughs> Tell me of the Pitchfork Oh, let's
2: start uh, that website
1: please. <laughs>
3: yeah. oh God, uh Pitchfork <laughs> called uh Frankie Teardrop Taxi Driver the Musical.
0: I don't know if I agree yeah, okay. with that. Yeah.
3: That made me smile.
4: <laughs> I mean, I like that I like that the song does have the third act where he's like in hell. In hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, not many songs follow it all the way through <laughs> so.
0: the natural conclusion. Exactly. Yeah. Had
4: but I guess not- like, Oh, I was going to say like, you know, with his fandom for ghostwriter, like understanding the infernal realm, like, I guess, you know, it leads you to say, okay, well I'm going to carry the story all the way through.
1: <laughs> Had there not been a suicide on the album suicide by the band suicide, I, I would have felt it was lacking. So yeah. thanks Frankie. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I mean, a murder-suicide, too. It <laughs> so. counts. Count it. Still the suicide. So is that the title track, then?
1: <laughs> the title track would just be called Suicide.
4: Right, but it's implied. Like, is it in parentheses? You'd be like, oh, yeah. That's the one that's really the, the album. Well, I, uh, I don't know.
0: I don't know if people what? think of Cherie or Ghost Rider.
4: Cherie was the single, which is crazy to think yeah. about. Yeah, Like, I guess if you had to pick one that's, like, radio-friendly... Yeah, in '77. I've, seven,
1: seven. I've heard the song "Cherie" on like playlists and stuff before, and I swear, I can hear it in my head like "Cherie, Cherie, I love you." Like, so, and I don't know if I'm thinking of a different song, but I haven't been able to crack that. Nut. I think
4: I think that brain nugget is a song called "Denise,
1: Denise, Denise, Denise." I think you're right. I was trying I was like, I was like Googling like all the different spellings of Cherie. I was Googling Marie. I was like, what like I can hear the song in my head? And I thought it was Cherie, but apparently it's not, because apparently they wrote Cherie. And I think Denise, John, you should have told me this yesterday. I've been going crazy. (laughs)
4: I'm sorry, brother. I just wanted you to be like appropriately amped up and confused and paranoid for this album. <laughs> so but, Denise but I by know. Randy and the Rainbows. There you go.
2: But and didn't Blondie cover it too on um, parallel lines? I Denise don't know. or Cherie? <laughs> Denise. Ah.
1: But I know in, uh question mark and the mysterions covered it in the 90s. <laughs> Cherie or Denise? <laughs> Cherie. Okay. <laughs>
4: <laughs> in in the in the uh, intro that Birch read he said that like uh, was, uh, something about this song being like sexy or alluring like I don't know man I, I understand that it's trying to maybe like evoke some of that Serge Gainsbourg je t'aime, you know a bit but it's I don't know he's just so weird that I don't know I, I don't know what lady would get a lady boner from, no. from the song
0: <laughs> no I think but, it, <laughs> he was saying uh, uh, the the writer was saying that it was off-putting at the same time as haunting it's it's a love song that doesn't sound like a love song
4: yeah yeah it's it's a it's a gomez kind of morticia love song yeah i could i could see it from that angle sure
0: yeah
1: i
4: think that's what makes
1: he's outside of your house right now like that's what kind of love song it is yeah yeah (laughs) he's in the bushes
4: yeah he might be like Mm -hmm. yeah
1: (laughs) man i just pulled up denise in my other ear and that is exactly what i was confusing it with I I can die with a clear mind. <laughs> like, <laughs> Not yet. Eight
0: hundred more albums. <laughs> ah.
1: yeah. we only have like six hundred and fifty or something. Right? I know. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I think the 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 sort of eeriness is what what dr- I don't know drives me to like this suicide album. It it it's the Nick Cave aspect. Like birthday parties coming up, and it's yes, it's weird. Like this stuff. Mm-hmm is it feels intense. It feels outsider. It feels outsider art. These guys yeah, yeah. don't feel like they're a band. They feel more like a pro like a uh, art school project, something that just happened. to
2: It feels like something I would have rolled my eyes at if it came through a basement. Like, but, and I, 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 I guess I do want to be the guy that shits on suicide. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> what came through your basement in 1977. I mean, next. I, dude, had I fuck it, 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 the the fact that Christgau gave this a C plus, saying that like it did no justice to how fucking insane they were on stage. Yeah, seeing seeing Suicide in '77, I probably wouldn't be saying this, but this record does not sound the way they played live in '77, according to someone who was there watching them. So right. on that that effect, I mean, you know, you don't have to sound the way that you sound live, but
3: yeah, but this is I feel like this is kind of a this is one of those bands, one of those Johnny Appleseed bands where people see them and like industrial music happens, you know, like, yeah, this is a very important record. I mean, it, it's a little rough around the edges, I suppose. I mean, they've been playing this stuff for a long time
0: before they recorded this.
3: Yeah, these guys are old. Like these guys are
1: like 40 in yeah. 77, like in, in this punk scene full of youngsters. They've
0: yeah, been around. They seen a lot of shit that's why they that's Yeah, th- this isn't about.
1: this isn't like a throwback to 1950s style music this is just like their <laughs> 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 their music <laughs> eventually they got it they 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 got an organ in and in a dub delay <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, what do you think? Let's go down the line. I see John. Let's just go that way.
4: Uh, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a positive. Um, I, I like uh, interesting music. I like music that doesn't sound like anything I've heard before. Uh, now I've heard a lot of things that came from this, that sound like this at this point in time, you know, in 2020, but like I have not heard any other bands that sounded like this in our project thus far. So, and, and it's, and a lot of it is interesting. It's not just noise. It's not just for the sake of garbage. Um, so I've got to go positive overall. Will I turn on the whole album again? No. Uh, will I listen to Ghost Rider, Rocket USA, Girl? Probably. Will I listen to the others? No.
3: So positive for me, though.
4: Cool.
0: Kyle?
3: I mean, I would give it a thumbs up, but I, mean, I wouldn't recommend this to, to anybody. If you are really <laughs> interested in the history of like industrial music or, or goth, for sure um and i think you know frankie teardrop is a ride you got to take at some point in your life or not
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> you should take the, take just, the, just once yeah yeah, yeah. i wouldn't recommend
3: yeah. like my mom take a listen to frankie teardrop with headphones yeah. in the middle of the night <laughs> <laughs>
0: i like it yeah Ben.
1: so i think i'm gonna i'm gonna skew positive on this i i think that i i really like that i i I like a lot of things about it. It's kind of like uh, where it's actually the, like the, where they say like, where like something's greater than the sum of its parts in, in in my opinion, I actually like the sum of its parts better than I like the, the final product, but I, I do like the final product, but there's a lot of things I like about it. I like that. They're yet another band that's showing that really like, punk rock is an attitude and a state of mind and you can like th- this music you, c- you couldn't really define it as like musically punk but they are considered like even like they they're considered like one of the first synth punk bands this album's neither synth nor punk you know like they've got an organ speaking of the organ i also really like the the diy aspect of it i like that they're using outdated pawn shop gear to make a new sound that no one's ever heard before. And like they're, they're not, they're not on the cutting edge of technology of like synthesizers. They're using like a beat up Farfisa from the sixties, like probably the world's first drum machine and, and they're innovating with it. So I think that's really cool. Uh, I think that it's interesting that this week in our listening homework, we had both this and uh, Iggy pops the idiot, we'll, which yes. we'll be covering in a, in an episode or two. And like, it's like between those two. Now we see where like industrial and goth kind of comes from. And I think that's cool. I don't think I'll ever listen to Frankie teardrop again by choice, but it's worth noting that uh, the song has a lot of fans. So it was really influential, including Bruce Springsteen, who based the song State Trooper off the Nebraska album on Frankie Teardrop. So I'm going to, and and the the actual sound of it, like not knowing any of that, just hearing the sound of it. I think it's interesting enough that I'd give it like, I don't know, like a B for my personal aesthetic, but then like put on all, uh, put all that other stuff on top of that. And and I don't know, it positive for me. I don't think I'll revisit it very often, but I think it's got a cool sound and I think it's got cool things going for it.
2: Robbie. I mean, there's nothing wrong with this record aside from the fact it's not my jam. So (laughs) I go neutral because I, it's just something I don't care to listen to on the reg or ever. And when it, when like the occasional, like, uh, I don't know that one of these songs will pop up on the like, you know, community radio station and the same thing will happen. Like, Oh, Oh, okay. All right. Suicide. So, I mean, just, just not my jam, man. And it, it, not everything has to be. So
3: wait, in that scenario, why did you initially get excited when, when suicide popped up and then get disappointed?
2: Um, I think it is that it sounded like Quintron starting and then (laughs) it it (laughs) went away. (laughs) 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 I I just perfectly, I I like Quintron. So What I wrote down was like, this is fine. I'd still rather be listening to any of its spawn. So I think Mr. Quintron like this record, Rob? uh, I (laughs) think, think, I think he loves suicide.
0: I, I will go positive. I, yeah. Listening to what you guys were saying about the sound or how it's, presented kind of made me think about it too. Another reason I like it is it feels like someone creating a project, I don't know, a bedroom project. Uh, the the echo vocals kind of remind me of a late night DJ with this, this echoing out on a microphone. And it has a, a very intense, strange vibe that I just like. It just feels like someone... <laughs> Maybe going crazy a bit, um, and really stretching into this strangeness. the The repetitiveness of the the drum machine too is just out there. I mean, no band. I've, I feel like no br- band today would ever do that. That j- it just sounds too. It just t- sounds too simplistic, and it sounds off in a weird way. Um, Also, I was going to say I I do respect a lot of bands, too, that record what they present. So this band is two-piece vocals, some echo, an organ, a drum machine. There's no other instruments on this album. I mean, they're not trying to put in a guitar even though they don't have a guitarist. They could easily do that in the studio. They could hire someone. They could bring someone in to do bass, those different things. So I... I do find it interesting when bands also they perform the way they would perform live without a lot of overdubs and a lot of studio magic. So yeah, positive for me. It's cool. It's Does anyone it, know,
1: was this the same drum machine that Sly used And there's a riot going on?
2: I didn't look at that.
1: I know what this one is. I just forget which one Sly used. This is a Seaburg Rhythm Prince.
0: No, he is a different one.
1: All right. If you look up pictures of it, it looks like a part of your grandpa's radio. <laughs> and uh, if you look at, do like a Google image search, like six pictures down, there's a picture of the guts of it, which is really cool. The analog guts. It's a circular circuit board with all these different connections. And then just like, uh, like the hand of a clock. That just goes around and it probably hits all these different connections and i'm sure that's how you can control the tempo like just this change the speed of that hand and the different beats i'm sure just turn on and off different connections it's it's cool to look at and be like oh that, that's how that works
4: hmm. sly used a maestro rhythm king and this is a rhythm prince oh. so therefore a lesser <laughs> uh, son of Rhythm uh, King exactly not the same not the same maker but clearly lower in nobility
0: right cool
4: unless the king dies
0: (laughs) all right next time we'll be talking about iggy pop the idiot all right thanks y'all